Cartoon Network. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diary. <laughs> We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Adam. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. Ah, hey. Quick, easy intro. Yes, Done. good Chat. job. You won't believe this because of our youthful vigor and unabashed optimism. <laughs> But we are now entering our fifth year of podcasting. Yay! What? It's uh, year five. Half a decade. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Ew. But, like, we're beginning the half of the decade. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. we're not at the half a decade. Point. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. We're true. We're at the beginning. Yeah. So as we jump right into 2023, we decided to focus on a topic from our childhoods. Cartoons. <gasps> More specifically, Cartoon Network. Hey, this is a big topic from Marcy's childhood. Uh, yeah, I right, mean, that right. is all I watched. <laughs> the only thing I watched. Uh, um, those Marcy. wonderful shows called... And that other one called... Okay, you're probably at least familiar with them. Marcy's like, I've never seen a TV. Exactly. This week, we took a look at Cartoon Network's animation over the last 30 years, and we decided that choosing our favorites would basically be impossible. So instead, we decided to rank our top five favorite theme songs from Cartoon Network shows. It's easier to pick theme songs instead of the shows. Yeah, and in order to pick the, the shows truthfully, yeah. I have to watch so much again. There'd be mm. so much to watch and so much yeah. to research. Yeah. And frankly, yeah. friends, we're lazy. Yeah. <laughs> we do what we can. Yeah. Right. yeah, we do. First, we narrowed the field by excluding any shows that were produced for other networks before arriving on Cartoon Network. This means that you won't hear us singing about any modern Stone Age families today. No. <laughs> nope. We're talking CN originals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We also decided against choosing shows from Cartoon Network's adult programming, Adult Swim. Then we listened to song after song and tried to keep our fondness for the shows themselves from clouding our musical judgment. Yeah. yeah. Basically, we were just like... Is it because I love this show? Is that <laughs> yeah. why I'm giving it right. such a high ranking? Or right. is it because the song's good? A banger. Or yeah. the intro is good yeah. in right. some of these cases. Yeah. yeah. It, it was really hard mm -hmm. to do yes. that, I, I will say. And yeah. I, I'm afraid that for me, it might have <laughs> still had some a, a effect. Little, yeah. So before we continue, if you would like to support this show, we have a Patreon. At patreon.com slash blackcasediaries, where for as little as $1 a month, you can support this show and all of the content that we make, and you'll get some exclusive episodes, more exclusive content, drink of the week, all kinds of cool stuff over there. We would appreciate your support very much. So let's turn out the lights, grab our favorite blankets, and flip on the TV. It's time for our top five favorite Cartoon Network theme songs. <laughs> Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Yeah, this is so <laughs> fun. This was Adam's idea. That's yeah. why Adam's leading the episode. Yay. Yeah. Bam, bam. We, we wanted to do just theme songs in general, but then mm -hmm. it was like, there's no way How? we like, could ever do that. It would have to be like top 50. Yeah, so yeah. Adam, 
So Adam just was like, what about Cartoon Network? Which I think is great because we have not focused on Cartoon Network Mm-mm. nearly enough. We've been mostly a Nickelodeon show mm-hmm. yep. because of me, uh, because <laughs> I was a Nickelodeon kid. <laughs> but I definitely did watch Cartoon Network. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to do a little, a brief history of Cartoon Network. Very brief. Yeah. We might do a whole episode one day on the history of Cartoon Network. There's a lot that goes into it. So before we launch into our ranking, let's talk about Cartoon Network and how it came to be. We won't be doing a very deep dive into the history of the network, but if you're hungry for more history, YouTuber SaberSpark has an incredible video about the topic, and we're going to link to it. So you can go watch that. Dude, props to him. Mm -hmm. If you are into animation, even a little bit, he's like the go-to channel right now. Yeah, SaberSpark's pretty great. great. In 1986, American businessman and media mogul Ted Turner purchased MGM UA, the company that was home to many classic films of Hollywood's golden age, as well as theatrical cartoons. Almost immediately after the purchase, he had to sell MGM UA back to its former owners while keeping a significant piece of their library. If this sounds familiar, it's because we mentioned it in our Christmas Story episode. This is how TBS has been able to play that film for 24 hours straight every Christmas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Turner now owned the rights to thousands of cartoons from Warner Brothers and MGM, including shorts featuring characters like Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry. Ah. So when he bought the movies, he bought the short that was playing before the movie. Ah. Right. Because back in classic movie time, cartoons were the thing that you just played in front of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't their own separate entity. Mm -mm. (laughs) Not yet. Which is lame. Yes. (laughs) Even though today, Mm -hmm. I would love them to bring it back yeah which is why i oh, like I the think, pixar shorts yes still. i think a cartoon before a movie is always a good idea yeah. a little bite-sized piece of entertainment mm-hmm. in 1991 turner added to his massive library of animation when he purchased hanna barbera a well-known animation studio that created classics like the flintstones and scooby-doo with thousands of hours of classic cartoons at his disposal it only made sense to create a network where viewers could tune in any time of day and see their favorite animated shows Turner appointed Betty Cohen to be the founding president of the new network. Using her expertise in branding and previous experience in children's entertainment, Cohen worked to make Cartoon Network the most creative animation brand in television. On October 1st, 1992, the Cartoon Network was born, though it would eventually drop the the. Initially, they relied on their huge catalog of cartoon favorites to bring in audiences. But they didn't let their content speak for itself. Turner was able to advertise the channel on other networks that he owned, and Cohen, true to her mission, spearheaded wacky ad campaigns that featured silly bumpers and hilarious spins on already existing content. Mm, Dude, that is one of the things that Cartoon Network is really good at, Mm -hmm. is ridiculous bumpers (laughs) with characters from all kinds of shows interacting. Yeah. It's like the Smash Bros of cartoons. (laughs) Yeah. That's what these are, because yeah. you just like, you know, Johnny Bravo and Velma from Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, you know, they would never interacting, meet. and yeah. but they would never meet otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just funny to see that stuff. The one I remember the most is where they're all in movie theater seats, like they're all yeah, yeah. They all yeah. come in, and they're you've got Fred from Scooby Doo, and then you've got Courage the Cowardly Dog, and yeah. these are mm-hmm. you know characters from decades apart. You know, different animators, different animation styles, but they're all there together, yep. and they were able to kind of update, and they were able to advertise to everybody and get everybody to watch it. Yeah, and one of the things that really interested me was that in an interview Ted Turner was talking about it and people had asked him like why would you do this 
And he said, because adults like animation. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, really? And he was like, yes, adults like animation. Yep. If I show Bugs Bunny on TV 24 hours a day, adults <laughs> will watch it. And he was right. It's yeah. like it's safe programming. They know what it is. They grew yeah. up with it. They like mm-hmm. it. They know that they know that they like it. It was a good gamble. Might as well turn it on. Yeah, not even a gamble, really. Yeah, he, he was, was like, like oh, adults will watch that. cartoons. And mm-hmm. that's yeah. why. And, and that see, that's the mindset that made it a successful net- network. Yeah. So when people say animation's only for kids, that's a very limiting perspective yeah. and mm-hmm. makes yeah, it, it very difficult mm-hmm. to make a career in animation. Mm-hmm. Right. Their classic cartoon lineup was immensely popular. In the summer of 1993, Cartoon Network became the number one watch channel during their inaugural June Bugs programming. This was a day-long marathon of Bugs Bunny cartoons. Oh, So cool. Yes. And I, my dad used to tape this. Oh, I have yeah. we have tapes of that just say June bugs. Wow. Tapes and tapes of cartoons because they would do this. They would just show <laughs> Bugs Bunny wow. for uh, 24 straight hours in June. Uh, do you think he has any of the really old ones where Bugs used to have gloves? Probably. Oh yeah. I'm going to guess I mean it was just whatever or, or, they showed. Well, he's he's always got gloves. I'm, yeah. Um they used to be yellow. Oh, I mean, like old Bugs Bunny. Yeah, man. it depends on whatever they showed I on TV. I would love to see. Yeah. But yeah, I remember uh, it was it was a big deal, and like take and the tapes were only eight hours long, so like switching out the tapes, trying yeah. to not miss a cartoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we I think we still have those. They just That's say awesome. June Bugs. On. <laughs> so cute. It wasn't long before Cartoon Network was producing its own content showing viewers that they had more to offer than pre-existing cartoons. First, there were standalone series like The Moxie Show and Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and this, it, this, was, this truly proves that Ted Turner was like, yes, adults watch cartoons. Yep, yep. <laughs> because Space Ghost Coast to Coast yeah. was a, an adult cartoon okay on cartoon network adult yeah. swim didn't exist yet yeah it mm-hmm. played in the evening okay. and it featured an old cartoon character that <laughs> only adults would have recognized yeah so yeah. it was very clearly for for adults yeah. and it was wild and wacky you know he's he's a, a news anchor or like a late yeah. night talk show host mm-hmm. his space ghost oh and <laughs> and he's just interviewing cartoons and yeah it's interesting for sure. What a great idea. I know. It's a fantastic idea and it did really well. And it is probably the reason why all these other great shows exist now. Yeah. Cartoon Network decided to use its pre existing audience as a testing ground for new content to see what shows would work on the network. In January of 1995, World Premiere Cartoons, aka What a Cartoon, premiered. This programming block allowed fresh artists the money and creative freedom to create high-quality shorts. Several of these experimental shorts went on to become some of the most beloved Cartoon Network shows of all time. Some of them we will even talk about today. Oh, yes. Yes! Some really good ones here. I bet you some of the people listening would be able to guess. Okay, so starting us off with number five is... Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Oh my gosh. So if you know of or have an imaginary friend that desperately needs a home, then come on down to Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, where good ideas are not forgotten. One of the hidden gems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Like when it first starts with the, I love how the instruments start at the beginning. It sounds like an it's orchestra like warming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like an orchestra warming up, and then you have the one line that's like drawing the house. Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. It just immediately you're like childhood. Yeah, oh it just feels so yeah. innocent and so pure. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. it, it, everything starts to fill in color, and it yeah. starts to zoom into the house. Yeah, and yeah. It's like let's <laughs> go. It is real fast. <laughs> so cute. Starting off the list is a show that ran on Cartoon Network from 2004 to 2009. It takes place in a world where childhood imaginary friends are real and have a physical form. Once they are outgrown, they are relocated to the titular foster home, where they stay until they are adopted by a new child. The home is run by its founder, the elderly Madam Foster, along with her rabbit imaginary friend, Mr. Harriman, and her granddaughter, Frankie. Oh, my God. It's Aww. so cute. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah. The main character is Mac, an eight-year-old boy who is told by his mother that he is too old to have an imaginary friend. Although he isn't ready to say goodbye, Mac brings his friend Blue to Foster's home for imaginary friends. However, if Blue lives there, he could be adopted by someone else. Mac makes a deal with Frankie, Mr. Harriman, and Madam Foster asking them to guard Blue against adoption so long as he visits every day. This one I, I watched pretty pretty often. This yeah. was like Aww. this was one of those ones where if I flipped to Cartoon Network yep. and it was on, staying. Yeah. Yes. Because yep. it was just one of those shows, right? Yeah. We mentioned the thing about um Blue, you know, they don't want Blue to be adopted. Yeah. yeah. And I remember it being a recurring thing. Throughout the show, every once in a while, there will be an episode where Mac, yeah. for some reason, can't get to the uh, place in time yeah. or whatever, and Blue almost gets adopted because yeah. every time a kid comes to adopt an imaginary friend, they love Blue. I mean, yeah. Blue is so oh, cool because he's the best. Yeah, yeah Blue is the best. Yeah. but they you know stall and stall and stall and try to wait for oh. Mac to get there, obviously. But it's yeah. like it's very funny because he, he you know. He came up with the best one. So. Yes, he came up with the best one. It's such an interesting idea, too, is that these are kids' ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are things that the kids made up, and they are able to create something yep. that's alive, yep. and then they have to give it away. Yeah. And I right. think that is just so weird. Yeah. Like when the mom sits down and she's like, yeah, you have to get rid of him. Yeah. And I'm uh, like, this is not just like some figment of his imagination now. Yeah. It is a living breathing organism yeah. and we're just like yeah no you just gotta go dude yeah <laughs> like it's like it's not like in in inside out where yeah the, you forget yeah the imaginary friend eventually when you grow older yeah they stick around yeah no they just exist you, out. you outgrow them still but yeah that's I, wow it, it it's such wild. an interesting it's such an interesting idea and there's so many questions yeah. i have so many so questions many. they don't seem to age and they don't seem to die so it's okay. like <laughs> so it's like if you if you grew to be like 98 years old mm-hmm. and then you die does your imaginary friend keep living? And does that mean that, like, eventually things are going to be way overpopulated because there's going to be so many imaginary friends yeah, yeah. of oh, all the people that... Yeah. Interesting. Cause... But the other... The, I think the the counter to that is that the reason kids come to this place, mm-hmm. like kids without an imagination, quote unquote. Yes. They oh. can't do it themselves, so they go So they come and get one, one yeah. Right? So theoretically, maybe the population would be... Balance check. I have no I idea. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. 
Well, that's kind of sad. Kids just but, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. But you're right, because if they continue to live, even if they got adopted multiple times, yes. they are outliving all of their... Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> Deep all right. dive. Well, yeah. 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 Interesting, huh? These are questions we want answers to, Craig yeah. McCracken. <laughs> <laughs> The series was created by animator Craig McCracken, who is also known for creating the Powerpuff Girls. He came up with the idea for the series after adopting two dogs from an animal shelter. He then adapted the concept of pet adoption to that of imaginary friends. When McCracken pitched the show to Cartoon Network, he said it was like Pokemon, as if it took place in the real world. In an interview with Boston.com, McCracken said that he was inspired by The Muppet Show and that he was not surprised by Foster's adult fan base. Yeah. A good cartoon these days gets a lot of adult Mm -hmm. fans. Yes. When creating the series, he thought of his own childhood and how his family enjoyed watching The Muppet Show together. He wanted to make a show that was universal for all ages. Yes. Yes. That's very, very awesome. Mm-hmm. And another part is the style of this show, like the art style of the show. Yeah. I I was reading that it's meant to kind of be like psychedelia, you know, that ah, whole like 60s, okay. like yeah. super Five. bright colors, yeah. weird abstract shapes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it feels... Super like kaleidoscopy yeah, type yeah. stuff, and I think it's so easy to read, despite how crazy it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have super tall characters, you have yeah. super big characters, you have Blue, who's a blob. Yeah, it's a blue blob, <laughs> and that's it. I think the Muppets are a great model. If you're trying to yes. make something that everyone's gonna like, go age-wise, with the original. Yeah. yeah, go with the way the the Muppet Show did it because yes. yeah. The Muppet Show, it's it's adult content, but it was kid friendly because they're puppets. Yes. Right. It was such a <laughs> That's dis- basically what it was. Basically, yeah. Perfect like, disguise. Just, just yeah. keep keep the language, you know, right. proper, but with like, you know, yeah. some hidden stuff in there and mm-hmm. you're golden. Yeah. All right. So we we chose this one for its music, and the music for the intro was composed by James L. Venable, a prolific American composer known for creating hybrid orchestral music. He has scored other Cartoon Network shows as well, as several movies like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. It's <laughs> on a variety. Huh. The tune was nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Main Title Theme Music in 2005, and the score won a 2005 Annie Award. Oh. Super awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. This was Venable's third award for achievement in music for an animated series. Additional music was composed by Venable and Jennifer Kess Remington. Yeah. So what do we think about this theme? Yes. That we haven't said already. Aww. Right. Yes. Th- this theme has such a great buildup. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's this warm up that just then it speeds up. And yes. it's like, bam, here we go. And now all this energy to yeah. really bring you into the wackiness of this yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Because despite it's like... I don't know the frame of a, of you know having to give up your imaginary friend or being at an orphanage essentially yeah. Yeah. isn't like fun no. but they make it fun because of all the rest of the context right yeah. yeah and the music does a great job of that do you and if you guys remember there is one point in the music where it slows back down mm-hmm. because blue is kind of like 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> longingly looking yeah. out the window because he's, you know, Mrs. Mac probably. And then Mac mm-hmm. comes in the door and there's, yeah. it's right back into it. So it's just this super yeah. energetic song that really yeah. brings mm-hmm. you in. It it reminds me, it's like a piece of classical music where yeah. if you weren't watching the action, you can still kind of feel right. what the yeah. story yeah. is. Feel the yeah. energy in the story. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's really cool. I love the way it begins. I love the sound of the orchestra kind of warming up because at first it sounds very pure. There's yeah. really nothing more pure than an orchestra tuning itself. Right. Because yes. that's before, you know, mm-hmm. it's before the music is played and it's just them getting ready. Right. And they're, yeah. Yeah. It's like potential energy. Yeah. Right. And there's there's no rhythm or rhyme to it. It's just yeah. ring, ring. Yes, and it sounds. Gr- I've always loved that sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always love going to plays and orchestras and hearing that noise in the beginning, and because you know something's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that sound. And then I also love because right after it kind of has this surreal sound to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as like you're kind of waking up from a dream, subconsciously alerting the audience that. You are going to have to suspend reality now. Like it is time <laughs> yeah. for you. These are imaginary. Yeah, it is time like, for you to to just think outside the box for yeah. a second. <laughs> so I think that the theme music is really great for yeah. for doing those things. Right, it matches the animation so well. Yeah. yeah, like we did make sure to also just kind of like watch yes. the intros as well. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we were paying attention mostly to the music. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's brilliant. But perhaps not as brilliant as <gasps> the no, next one. Number four. <laughs> Dexter's Lab. Dexter's Ooh. Lab. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. Dexter, call for you from the president. Tell him to wait. Our number four choice was actually the first cartoon born from the What a Cartoon lineup and was a favorite of Cartoon Network president Betty Cohen. So that lineup of the clips when they would do, you know, oh, let's kind of do some bite-sized content and see what people like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dexter's Lab was the first one that became a TV show. Yes. yes. Created by Gendy Tartakovsky, Dexter's Lab aired in 1996 and ran until 2003 with four seasons. The show consisted of three short seven-minute segments or two 11-minute segments. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The 11-minute segment thing is common in cartoons, but the three, the the, the seven-minute ones is different. Yeah, Yeah. it is different. The show centers around two siblings, Dexter and his annoying sister, Dee Dee. Dexter is an enthusiastic boy genius with a secret laboratory, and (laughs) Dee Dee is his older sister and the only person in his family aware that his lab exists. The two have opposite personalities and character designs. Dexter being short and round, while Dee Dee is tall and thin. Dexter's Lab chronicles the title character's adventures, including his run-ins with his arch-nemesis, Mandark. Yes. (laughs) I loved Dexter's Lab. Yeah, it was super relatable. Just because me, specifically growing up with two sisters, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they weren't like like Dee Dee level annoying or anything, but I had some, you know, there's just some times where like, ah, Get out of my lab, basically, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel that. But yeah. But I also, no matter what show it is, because there are a few shows that do this thing where there is a kid or sometimes multiple kids who have kind of like an otherworldly existence that nobody knows about. Yeah. Right? So it's just a normal looking house. Mm-hmm. 
He's got this huge lab, and his parents are none the wiser. And it's just, it's great. And he has great inventions. Yeah, yeah. all kinds of inventions and, and adventures. This Ugh. one was definitely on my radar, though I didn't get to watch it. It was one where it was like, oh, I definitely would watch that if yeah. I given the chance. This is so Yeah, I, and I watched an episode... Um, yeah, after after we listened to the <laughs> intros and stuff, mm-hmm. and it, it's so cute. And it uh, even though they have opposite personalities, you, they clearly love each other and yeah. want to take care of each other, which mm-hmm. is really cute. Yeah, Dee Dee doesn't intentionally ruin everything. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she just wants to know what it does. Yeah. Exactly, she just wants to be a part of it. Yeah. The inspiration for Dexter's lab came from a drawing that Gendy Tartakovsky sketched while studying at Cal Arts. The image featured a tall, thin ballerina next to a short, blocky boy. After many redesigns, the characters Dexter and his ballerina shoe-wearing sister Dee Dee were born. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, she always tiptoes around like yeah. that, and you hear the little... <laughs> whenever she does it, and it's just a classic cartoon thing. Yes. Tartakovsky and writer-director Craig McCracken understood how rare it was for them to have creative control over an animated show. They had both worked on previous productions and had a difficult time getting their own ideas on the screen. So they seized the opportunity to pack as much visual storytelling and cartoon madness into each episode as if it were their last. Yeah. So this was an interesting age of cartoons where you'll notice there's a lot more visuals than dialogue mm-hmm. there's a lot more of showing than telling yeah. and you can see it in earlier episodes of spongebob yeah the jokes were happening not yeah. said yeah mm-hmm. right and and i love that stuff it's yeah the bread and butter of good cartoons <laughs> yeah. there was so much visual storytelling that the storyboards served as scripts and the showrunners would do everything they could to avoid dialogue when they could show the audience the story instead The writers and animators drew from filmmakers like Sam Raimi, the Coen brothers, and Sergio Leone. The pace of animation and editing would change based on the emotional gravity of a scene and worked seamlessly with the show's soundtrack to communicate what was happening on screen. Yeah, it's complex. Yeah. The show also employed limited animation like classic Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Because of this, when something moved, the audience had an easier time paying attention. Yeah, instead of, you know, a bunch of moving parts on the screen, we're seeing, you know, things moving with purpose. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't distracting. It was very on purpose. And you could even tell. Yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of old Looney Tunes kind of the same way, right? You see a scene. It's mm-hmm. like, why is that one drawn different? Why is that thing look different you yeah. know it's Why about it? to move yes, exactly yeah. yeah exactly you could see it coming because of its unique style dexter's lab relied heavily on strong musical compositions the theme song was written and composed by thomas chase and steve rucker the intro to the show does an incredible job of showing the audience what's to come there is no dialogue and the action is paired with a marvelous orchestral arrangement complete with a choir and sound effects I don't know. You get in trouble if we sing that? Uh, Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Chase and Rucker did such a great job scoring Dexter's Lab that they were even nominated for an Annie Award for Best Individual Achievement Music in a TV Production in 1997. Oh, yeah. 
This is a show that relied heavily on its music. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the music was so good. Well, like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, it's all just instrumental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it matches the action and matches what's going on. Yeah. And this paired with the visuals, you know exactly what the show is about. And you know about the relationship between the characters. All of it makes sense. Yeah. It's a very succinct way to tell us what the show is. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very good opening sequence. Yeah. I love how at the beginning it sounds so kind of mysterious. Yeah. Right? And just like, because it's just Dee Dee kind of sneaking around the house. <laughs> yeah. And then she stands on that little rug and yeah. then poof, down yeah. the tube and it's like, Woo-doo-doo. you know, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? How, what This doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, Dexter's down there working on his thing, and the, the orchestra gets, like, more and more hyped as it goes. Yes. Yeah. And all this stuff happening. He's chasing her with this floating saucer. <laughs> all kinds of crazy stuff. But, again, yeah, only yeah. a cu- few sound effects here and there. And it really, again, brings you into the show. It really sets the mood yeah. of this weird, like, mysterious kind of <sighs> yeah. secret-ness. Uh, yeah. Of Dexter's lab, you know, it, it it's like the Dee is the only one who somehow knows how to get in. Yeah. He's got all the security, but she just slips by it every time. <laughs> it's well. wonderful. All right, now time for number three. <sighs> oh my gosh, can it what, get better? What yes. could it be? How could, how could it get any better? <laughs> number three <laughs> is Samurai Jack. Oh my gosh. Now this is, yeah, this is... <laughs> Such an interesting one. <laughs> yes. We did not score it based solely on the musical part. It, it was like the whole intro together mm-hmm. that we yeah. that Oops. we considered. Yeah. Because the musical part is very short and, you know. Yes. But by itself, it's still a bop. But I, yeah, yes, it's that, still iconic. That's what I was going to say. It's so, I like, just put 10-hour loop that <laughs> shit, man. I, I'll seriously. <laughs> it's it's such, oh. such a little jam. I love yes. it so much. Long ago in a distant land, I, Aku, the shape-shifting master of darkness, unleashed an unspeakable evil. But a foolish samurai warrior wielding a magic sword stepped forth to Just oppose- after wrapping up his successful series, Dexter's Lab, Gendy Tartakovsky de- developed a whole new show. A fantasy adventure that followed a samurai that had been thrown through a wormhole into the future. Oh my gosh. What? Samurai Jack premiered in 2001 and ended in 2004. In 2017, it was brought on Adult Swim for a fifth and final season. Thank goodness, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Samurai Jack tells a story of a young prince in feudal Japan. His father, the emperor, was gifted with a magical katana that allowed him to defeat an evil shape-shifting demon named Aku. The show begins with Aku's escape, and the treacherous spirit takes the emperor and throws the kingdom into chaos. The young prince then travels the world, training for the day that he could take up the katana and defeat Aku. Once his training is complete, the prince-turned-samurai nearly destroys his enemy, but Aku remains one step ahead and casts him into a wormhole. The samurai is now stuck in a post-apocalyptic future and must find a way back to the past so he can defeat Aku once and for all. Oh, and undo the evil that is Aku. (laughs) This show, like, there's nothing like Samurai Jack. Uh, Nope, there really isn't. There is nothing like it. (laughs) 
somehow it just feels timeless. I don't know. Yeah. To me, like, yeah. sure, there, there's definitely <laughs> something about it that sits yeah. squarely yeah. in, in the 2000s. But I don't know. It just, it, it, it's still so watchable now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I like it's so crazy because I have heard the name Samurai Jack for years now, like, and I never got around to watching it. <laughs> so I had no idea what to expect. <laughs> and I watched the first episode with Robin. Yeah. Um, and wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. That the- was not what I was expecting. I love it, though. I mean, work. it's pretty fantastical. I mean, yeah. it, I know it's so fantasy heavy. I yeah. Love it. Because you start out with this feudal Japan setting with a samurai, very Japanese-inspired buildings and all this stuff, right? And Aku is like the kind of demon spirit that would would only come about in like a Japanese folk tale, right? And then click sci-fi now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, (laughs) so it's, but not, not, too heavy on the sci-fi it's yeah. both because yeah. it's it's a future where the sci-fi can exist but it's not all that but you know so, evil spirits still exist and yeah. magic is a thing and, yeah. yeah 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 it's this wonderful blend of all of those things but yet has its own twist and its own yeah. personality yeah tartakovsky built on his childhood fascination with samurai culture for the premise of samurai jack The creator has also said that he drew inspiration from his own recurring dreams that took place on a post-apocalyptic Earth and featured him fighting off mutants with a samurai sword. Awesome. (laughs) That's so cool. One of Samurai Jack's biggest influences is Frank Miller's Ronin, a comic book limited series from the 1980s. It shares some of the story's elements, though the Samurai Jack version is far more suitable for children. Oh, yes. Ronin is... Mm. (laughs) Just... Reading the basic premise, you see it's very similar, and you could see the very you could see how it's like the bones of the same story. Yeah, but yeah, it's for adults. We do not recommend children read that. Yep. Cool. But but if you're a grown up, give it a shot. Yeah. Like Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack focused more on visual storytelling than on written dialogue. The first episode of the show famously featured eight whole minutes of silence something almost unheard of in American TV. It was a critical and commercial success and is still considered to be one of the most poignant and creative cartoons in the network's history. Wow. I 100% believe that. Like I said, there's nothing like this. I would, like, this is the most thoughtful cartoon I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's so, it. I don't know, it it really just inspires so much thought. And... Mm-hmm. It feels like there's just a sense of deep loneliness, yeah. and you can feel his loneliness. The visuals work really well with the music, and we see that, you know, that longing for him to go back to his time. You yeah. know, imagine how lonely it would be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you don't oh know a gosh. single person, and you don't, don't yeah. know if you're ever going to get back. And yeah. You don't know. The opening theme for Samurai Jack juxtaposes classic narration with an upbeat and modern song. It perfectly captures the disconnect between Jack's own time and the one he must live in. The theme was composed by Will I Am and George Pajon, two artists from the Black Eyed Peas. James L. Venable composed the score for the show. Wow. Right? Yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> no, yeah. 
The theme does not appear in the show until the second episode. This is mainly due to the fact that the first episode sets up the entire premise of the show, and the intro for the episodes following is essentially a reminder of what happened in the pilot. It's a little similar yeah. to Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. And Marcy pointed that out to me when we were watching it, where mm-hmm. in the first episode of Avatar, the intro is completely different because they haven't yeah. found Aang yet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> An intro sets the stage with the villain Aku narrating. After he is done narrating, it launches into the music. This is how they did it for the first four seasons, but when it returned for the fifth and final season on Adult Swim, they switched to having Samurai Jack narrate the beginning before the music. When the fifth season came out, the gentleman who voiced Aku, Mako, had passed away. Yeah. Uh, yes, I love the opening mm-hmm. of this show so <laughs> Much. I could probably quote the whole thing right now. <laughs> I won't do that, nice. but I probably could. And as far as the music goes, it just has this. It, it almost it almost feels like it's about to have this huge beat drop or something like that. But then it doesn't yeah. quite. Yeah. It's like ooh, just kidding, you know. Yeah. But it's still it's still this groove, and it in like you said it it, it it's this perfect juxtaposition of yeah. Yes. The, the the character and it, the environment. It goes from, you know, this very classic mm-hmm. narration, you know, where it's like long ago in the faraway land of ancient Greece. You know, yeah. it's like one yeah. of those yep. kind of narrations. And then you've got like after that upbeat pop song <laughs> mm-hmm. and a classic samurai from feudal Japan slicing <laughs> up, you know, mute yes. like yeah. yeah with his katana sword. I mean yeah, it's definitely it doesn't get weirder than that, but I think it's 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 a beautiful kind of weird. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it very much. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah. Probably probably in my top like openings of a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is the thing we couldn't just judge it based on the music. The whole the whole package is a big part yes. Of it. And it's just I right. mean I mean it's beautiful because the the music is a jam. Yeah. No doubt. Yes. But without the narration to kind of show you that difference or kind of be jarring a little bit Mm -hmm. it wouldn't hit the same Mm -hmm. yeah so in this case you kind of have to have that extra context yeah oh boy oh you guys ready for number two already yeah i know gosh the powerpuff girls (laughs) spice and everything nice. These were the ingredients chosen to create the perfect little girl. But Professor Utonium accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction, Chemical X. Do, do you guys remember, it, it, it may have worked, I can't think of a PBS show that, that okay. really hit the same, but like, you'd be watching a channel, but you don't know what's on, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And there's just commercials, or there's the like bumpers between yeah. or whatever. And then the first thing you're hit with is the opening to a show. But yeah. it's a show that you like. Yeah. Do you remember that feeling? Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because like I you just caught it in time. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd be watching Cartoon Network and just commercials or whatever. And then it just, you know, maybe I'm looking away from the TV and then I just hear, sugar, spice. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. There <laughs> we go. Power, Powerpuff Girls is that, yeah. is one of those shows that yeah. really really hits it and i mean shoot yeah. samurai jack too yeah because it yes. just starts out with an 
another narration yeah. that hits yeah, it's so, so hard. good yeah. you can be just out, barely out of the room huh and start you hearing hear it, it. And you're like oh yeah it's time yeah, yeah. back in another graduate from the what a cartoon programming the powerpuff girls premiered on cartoon network in 1998 and ran for six seasons until 2004 yeah oh, man the show chronicles the adventures of the powerpuff girls Three kindergarten-age superheroes that were created in a lab. I always forget <laughs> that they're kindergartners. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you don't think yep. about that. Nope. They're it's only like, five, oh, six years old. Yeah. yeah it's hilarious. <laughs> <sighs> According to the intro, they contain sugar, spice, everything nice, and an accidental dose of Chemical X. A lot of Chemical X. Yeah. He the breaks contain. the bottle. <laughs> 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 His entire stock. Of yeah. It. Can't make anything because, else with Chemical X. <laughs> right. That's one of those things that in other cartoons, you see yeah. them pour it very lightly and one single drop. Just bing. Yeah. That's what that, that's what Chemical X is for. But he yeah. Pulled the all whole of it. thing. All of it. The Powerpuff Girls was created by Craig McCracken. The animator has loved superheroes since childhood. And two of his biggest influences for this show were the 1960s Batman TV series starring Adam West, an underdog. Yeah. Underdog. underdog. So you've got the, there's, you know, the parts yeah. where they punch and it's like, yeah. wham, pow, yeah. bop. Yeah. 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 Bop was always my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Zap. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? There's no electricity. <laughs> The show started its life as an animated short called The Whoop-Ass Stew, <laughs> starring the Whoop-Ass Girls. <laughs> in this iteration, the girls were made with a can of Whoop-Ass instead of Chemical S. <laughs> Very nice. Craig McCracken created it as a student project during his time at Cal Arts. Yeah. I oh, love uh. that. <laughs> Funny. The assignment was to produce an animated short, and he knew that he wanted to make something superhero-related. One day, he was doodling in his notebook when he came up with Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup, the titular Powerpuff Girls. Once he decided they would be the heroes of his short, the world of the Powerpuff Girls was born. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> amazing to watch these original whoop-ass shorts, because... It's all there, man. Yeah. It's all there. The villains are like clear as day. Oh, that shoot, there yeah. they are. They're the yeah. Amoeba Brothers or whatever oh they're called. Oh my god, the Amoeba Brothers. Oh, it's like oh, it's, Mojo it's great. Mojo Jojo. I loved him. Mojo Jojo. Yes. Oh my gosh. McCracken was working at Hanna-Barbera when Cartoon Network bought the studio. CN executives told the animators that they were looking for new content. And McCracken pitched this short to the network. The name was changed because obviously you can't say whoop ass on a children's <laughs> network. Bummer. <laughs> and soon Powerpuff Girls shorts began airing on world premiere cartoons, a.k.a. What a Cartoon. McCracken's second short didn't do well with a test audience composed of 11-year-old boys. And according to McCracken, they were saying, this is stupid. Little girls can't be heroes. However, Cartoon Network executive Mike Glazo believed the show still had potential and allowed McCracken to produce one more Powerpuff Girls short titled Crime 101, which aired on What a Cartoon. The shorts were a hit. After seeing them air on What a Cartoon, viewers would ask the network when they would give the Powerpuff Girls their own show. 
The network delivered, and McCracken got the news in 1997 that he would get to run his own cartoon. It's big news. Ooh. So cool. Yes. Exciting. Yes. yes. Their test audience must have been just uh, <laughs> different and <Yes>. better. Better. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're probably like, well, you know what? I think girls are probably going to also watch our yeah. Yeah, maybe our we should like Maybe we should like have a test audience with them, too. Mm-hmm. Like many of the songs on this list, the Powerpuff Girls theme song doesn't have any lyrics. The show opens with an epic 1960s-esque narration by Tom Kenny, telling the origin story of the titular characters. He is so good. I love Tom Kenny. I've talked about this before. (laughs) We will praise him endlessly. (laughs) Big big fan of Tom Kenny, and I just cannot believe how good he is Mm -hmm. at doing announcing stuff like that. The big, boisterous narration. Not everybody can do that. Nope. And the fact that he can do that and do SpongeBob blows like, my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, he's fantastic. Yeah. This is followed by an upbeat and playful theme that combines elements that sound both childish and intense, like the Powerpuff Girls themselves. My my favorite <laughs> my favorite part of the entire theme yeah the, the entire intro is when the three of them come onto screen individually yeah okay. and the tune plays on different instruments yeah because uh, blossom comes in and it's mm-hmm. trumpets yeah the leader right yeah. and then bubbles the cute one it's like on, yeah. the, on a xylophone <laughs> yeah, the and then, and one, then yeah. buttercup on a guitar and i'm like this is so good it's just like all you needed was the, that second, and mm-hmm. you know who they are. Yes. Yeah. You know each character and what they're all about. Yes. yes. And I love that. I love it, too. Uh, we've got the the drums underneath, too, and they're just, like, yeah. beating, fast-paced, beating up bad guys left and right. You know, and it's just such a great, (laughs) it sounds like superheroes, and it's three little, little children, and I love it. Kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> when when I was younger, I didn't really make that connection. I was like, okay, they're in school. Yeah. Right? Because the Same. teacher is yeah. a character. There's other students. They don't students. know how to read yet. Yeah. <laughs> but they they don't know how to read. They're so young. Because they talk fluently yeah. to the professor. And it's like. Yep. I mean, they have chemical X. I mean. I mean, I guess dance. that makes a difference. Yeah. But it's just, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the first episode, adorable. Everybody turns into puppies. Yes. yes. Highly recommend. Yes. <laughs> Thomas Chase, Steve Rucker, and James L. Venable composed the theme music. We've already mentioned all three of these men earlier in this episode, which makes sense because they are no strangers to composing animation. You've heard their music in projects like Codename Kids Next Door, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, Chalk Zone and more. Chalk Zone. Yes. Heck yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about a good theme song. Rudy's got the chalk. Chalk Zone. Yeah. I honestly, (laughs) I realized as we were doing the list and going through and writing who wrote the songs, the same names kind of kept coming up again and again. It makes sense. I was like, okay, I see. I see what was going on here. (laughs) Yeah. So our number one choice. Do you have it? Do you have it in your heads? Yeah. Are you Can you it? guys guess? Can you guess what it was? If they haven't. Number one <laughs> is <laughs> Teen Titans. <laughs> oh my gosh! I I love I love this theme song. It's 
And I actually think I could watch the intro all the time. It's such a jam. And this is one of the longer ones, too. Yes. This, is, this is a longer intro. This is a long, long intro. And like the TV version's a minute and like the yeah. full song's and three There's a long. full song, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, big, big, big fan. My favorite thing about this theme song is that not only is the animation with it fantastic, yeah, but I also love that there's a Japanese version and that yeah. when you're watching the show, yeah. when it's a Japanese, when it's the Japanese one, you know it's a special episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. this one's going to oh, be good. Yes. Created by Glenn Murakami, David Slack, and Sam Register, Teen Titans premiered in July 2003 and ended in 2006 with five seasons. It was a critical and commercial success and is still considered to be one of the best original cartoons to premiere on the network. The show inspired a movie and a less acclaimed animated follow-up called Teen Titans Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> here, my br- very brief thoughts on Teen Titans Go <laughs> is it would be funny and decent if this show didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I can't not compare the two and it just pales. Yeah. In comparison. But if it were able to stand on its own somehow, I'd be like, eh. Teen Titans is based primarily on stories by Marv Wolfman and George Perez from the 1980s. The original 1960s Teen Titans were more like a junior Justice League in that it featured all of the teen characters and sidekicks of the main superheroes. So there was the Teen Titans in the 1960s, which was like the original run Mm -hmm. of the comic. And then there's been so... So many iterations since then. It's just a right. yeah. long yeah. timeline. Yeah, it happens all the time with yeah. comic heroes. Mm-hmm. Wolfman and Perez took over Teen Titans in the 1980s when the future creators of the Teen Titans animated show were reading the comics. That's why the show more closely resembles their run, which introduced characters like Raven and Cyborg. They changed a few things. They changed quite a few things, mm-hmm. but they added in characters that like they really felt would kind of round up the team and, and it became changed from just you know these are sidekicks right and like of characters that you already know to yeah. brand new people yeah wolfman and perez updated the stories by eliminating any adult supervision and they made sure that the stories were character driven instead of conflict driven they explained this by saying, we were never drawing costumed characters. We were drawing characters in costumes. Whoa, that's, yeah. wow. That's yeah. a cool way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. The The whole thing is that, like, you know, the original, the ones from the 60s, it was very much conflict-driven, right? Mm-hmm. You have right. the characters, they're yep. there. Also, there was somebody who was always watching over them, some sort of guardian. Superman or Yeah, making something. sure they didn't get into too mm-hmm. much trouble. Yeah. Making them seem more like kids, yeah. And they, it was like you know they fought the villain, and they'd have one-off villains. Villains would leave, but you know when these guys did it, Wolfman and Perez, they cared way more about okay, the villains should be someone they know, yeah. The, they should have backstory with these people. This should actually be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is more character driven. We're we're caring about their feelings and how yeah. how this affects them as human beings. And they got rid of the adult supervision because it was like no these. These are the stars. Yeah. They're in charge. Right. Marv Wolfman worked with the writers as they developed Teen Titans. The animated version of the stories focuses far more on the characters as friends that truly care about each other 
while the comic book was more melodramatic. There's more drama in the comic book <laughs> yeah. than there is in this show. They're key, they they're more like we have they have each other's backs yeah. in the show. There's certainly some drama, but no, yeah, not and as a lot much. a lot of it stems from like I care about you, right? And like that's a big mm-hmm. you know. The five main members of the team are Robin, Starfire, Cyborg, Raven, and Beast Boy. They live together in Titan's Tower, a large T-shaped building just offshore from Jump City. These five teenagers team up and take down various threats to the city while facing the struggles of adolescence. Oh my gosh, how hard would that be? Yeah, it's already hard <laughs> enough with Seriously. <laughs> An add-on crime fighting. <laughs> and also that T- T- T-shaped tower, what the... I know, I don't really... It's like, oh man, where... The, it's always you know, tea time. A villain you... <laughs> is like... A villain's like, curse those Teen Titans, yeah. I can't find them anywhere. Yeah, I wonder where they live. <laughs> what? Yeah. It can't possibly be the big T the out big there. T. <laughs> Robin is the team leader and the only character that doesn't have powers. He relies on his intelligence, leadership, martial arts training, and gadgets to fight. Starfire is a princess from another planet that fell to Earth and was rescued by the Titans. She is bursting with positive energy and is the polar opposite of Raven. Raven is a powerful empath in control of a soul self. She must reign in her emotions at all times to contain that soul and keep it from causing destruction. Cyborg was a talented athlete until an accident almost destroyed his body. Now he's half man, half machine, and joined the Titans because they treat him like a person and not a freak. Beast Boy is the jokester of the group. He is the only member that loves his powers and thoroughly enjoys being a superhero. Aww. Yeah, he's the one that has the most fun with it. Yeah. You know? Constantly changing into stuff. Yeah, they said the thing about Beast Boy is that he could never use his power as a disguise. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he's always green. Yeah. <laughs> like, no matter what he is. Yeah. So it's not a disguise. It's just, it's you know, for whatever purpose that animal has, but also yeah. it's like he enjoys it. Oh. Yeah. He just has a good yeah. time. Yeah. You know, he'll turn into a kitten because he thinks it's cute, you know, yeah. and he does yeah. lots of jokes. Yeah, and... when he, yeah when, like if somebody's feeling down, he would you know, theoretically become a cat and, like, crawl yeah. into their lap or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he uses it all the time for those kinds of things. It's, it's very sweet. It's wonderful. Yeah, he's a cute character. The Teen Titans theme song is one of the most iconic parts of the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think the show is fantastic on its own, but I yeah. feel like without this theme song, I don't know if it would have been as popular. It's yeah. one of those things where if yeah. it didn't, like... You would go to Cartoon Network, and if it were a different theme song, yeah, eh, let's watch something else. Yeah. But this just pulls you in, it's, man. I honestly, like, I just love watching it. Yeah. I get excited every time I watch it. Yeah. I love it. It's a delightful spin on classic superhero themes and draws inspiration from the 1960s Batman theme song. Everyone knows that, right? Batman! Sam Register discovered the Japanese pop band Puffy Amiyumi while listening to the radio. After attending one of their live shows, Cartoon Network made an offer to the band asking them to sing the theme song. Composer Andy Sturmer had already written the lyrics to the song, but Puffy Amiyumi wrote a Japanese version of the song. According to the band, the theme song in Japanese was only meant for American audiences and was intended to spark interest in learning the Japanese language. Andy Sturmer composed theme music for cartoons like We Bear Bears and various versions of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Aww. 
So these are, you know, obviously he's written other theme music too mm-hmm. yes. for lots of other shows. And they're all really great. But yeah, this is the gold standard. I think when we were when we were ranking, this was the only 30 that we had yes. that was on this list that fit this criteria. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it was the only one that we each gave it a 10 because yep. we love it it's so much. It's just fantastic. And we actually did listen to the entire three-minute song as well mm-hmm. because it still is a awesome jam without... It's the animation intro. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's such a good it's such a good song. And I just but I do like I, I have to say the animation working with the music is such an important part. Like, it really oh, is, yes. It, it, I just when Raven shows up every time, I'm yeah, like, oh, phasing God. through. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like I'm watching a comic book. It's so yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's clearly a lot of people's favorite theme song yeah. when it comes to these Cartoon Network shows from this era, mm-hmm. right? Because, like you said, our criteria, it has to be original Cartoon Network. Yes. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And so. we did listen to theme songs for newer shows. And yes, people were like, yes. sure wow, did. you guys only like the ones from when you were kids. <laughs> like, no, no, no. We listened to new ones, too. We, we, we did. We actually we did. listened to a lot. Yeah, yeah we, there was a big, yeah. big list. Yeah. We did older ones that we thought might be, but, you know. But ended up not being. Ended up yeah, not being. Disqualified. So. And some of those ones that we did listen to mm-hmm. are listed here as some honorable mentions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of really yeah. good theme songs out there, and we wanted to mention a few here. First, we have Mucha Lucha. Yeah, that was mm, really that was good. Yes. I this, liked that one a this lot. This was a close. Very close. Yeah. Sixth place. Almost didn't make it. Almost made it to the top five. Yes. Yeah. Then we've got Adventure Time. Classic, mm-hmm. obviously. So yeah. good. Codename Kids Next Door. Also we incredible. Mentioned yes. briefly earlier. Yes. We Bear Bears. I so cute. love We Bear Bears. It's such <laughs> a cute show. <laughs> we'll be bears. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. Then we have Ed, Ed and Eddie. That one is I. <laughs> the theme song is really catchy, and I will, yes. I will always remember it. And I've always liked the theme song. Then we have Chowder. Oh my gosh. Which I love, Chowder. <laughs> Camp Laszlo. That was a cute one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Mm. Gumball, or the Amazing World of Gumball, yes. I think is the full yeah. name. Gumball is such an interesting show, and I yes. do I do love the way they animate it. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. One of the best looking shows yeah. on Cartoon Network, I think. Honestly. Just because of the sheer variety of style. It's so cool. Next is Johnny Bravo. Yeah, Johnny yeah. Bravo. This one I won. I watched a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cow and Chicken. Oh made my our god. List. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It's there. It, we it watched there. it. Um The theme song kind of like has some catchiness to it. Mama yeah. had a chicken. Mama, Mama had, had a cow. cow. Yeah. So, and then lastly on our honorable mentions list, we we did we did <laughs> we watched the intro to Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yes, and one of real, my favorites. And realized yeah. that the whole thing is narrated yeah. and really yeah. not Didn't musical really have, at all. Yeah. There was really no music really. at all in Courage the Cowardly Dog, but you know that it's super cute. So we yeah. we watched it anyway. Yep. There is background music during the narration, but it's yeah. not really like a memorable uh, yeah, tune. Yeah, not, not prominent. Really. Not mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. So there it is, guys. Our top five Cartoon Network theme songs. <sighs> Any final thoughts you guys have? Uh, no. I mean, I feel like 
we definitely had to have missed some. There were so oh, many shows. Oh, for sure. Um, I think that the, the five that we picked were really solid. Really Absolutely. good shows. Stand by them. Yeah. I really, I loved wa- re-watching them, and I love listening mm-hmm. to the music. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, yeah. Now I got to watch the shows. <laughs> for sure. That, that's that's what's, yeah. re- I'm really inspired to go back and watch Cartoon Network yeah. stuff mm-hmm. now because of listening to all these. Yeah. And- I do want to mention the the other theme song that actually got a full score from us mm. before we realized that it didn't that it didn't count from our list was a pup named Scooby Doo. Yeah. yeah. So, so a pup named Scooby Doo came out in 1988. Cartoon Network didn't exist yet, so it yeah. did not count so, as an original right. yeah. Cartoon Network yeah. show. Right. However, go listen to the theme song on YouTube because Scooby, it's so good. Scooby Doo. <laughs> it's got such a good. Style sound to it. Yeah. Anyway. Name Scooby Doo. So good. Make sure you tell yeah. us what your please, picks would have been. Please tell us. Yeah. yeah. We want to know. We want to know how wrong we are. Nah, <laughs> how right we are. More like <laughs> right. When we set out to rank our favorite Cartoon Network theme songs, we didn't realize what a daunting task that would be. We made a huge list of shows and watched all the theme songs, ranking them on a scale of 1 to 10. It was pretty clear to us that Cartoon Network, especially the late 90s and early to mid-2000s, was the perfect place for a wacky, interesting, and exciting theme song. During that time period, this network was letting its animators experiment and come up with some strange and wonderful content. So it only made sense that the theme song matched that energy. We believe that's why we will be singing their praises for years to come. Yeah. All right. Boy, oh boy, Woo. we did it, everybody. We that, did it again. Yes, Woo. we did. That is another case closed. All right. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to the show. We appreciate you very much. We would like to yes. thank our patrons before we go. John, JD, Anthony, Shelly, Bob, Jaron, Brad, and Jacob. Thank you. Thank you you guys so much. You mean the world to us. And if you would like to become a patron, if you want to support the show and get a bunch of extra content, go to patreon.com slash blackcasediaries, or you can find it at blackcasediaries.com. All right. right. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. See See you you later. Next time. Bye. Then, the Teen Titans are finished? Not yet. Not if I can help it. <laughs>